The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon and New Beginnings Christian Church of Spokane. Good morning, everybody. This is Marty McClendon, and this is In My Opinion. And as a reminder this morning, before we get started, if you've missed a show of In My Opinion by Marty McClendon, they are being podcast after the fact. So your smart speaker, your Alexa or your Google, you can say play In My Opinion by Marty McClendon. You can search them up on your podcasting site, whether it be iTunes or Anchor or iHeartRadio, and look for podcasts and look for In My Opinion by Marty McClendon, and they'll be there right after the show every single week. And you can find out more on Facebook. Look up Morning Show Marty, which is my In My Opinion Facebook page, and you can find all the past episodes there as well, plus additional content, other posts related to the shows themselves or follow-up information. Once again, that's Morning Show Marty on Facebook or any of your podcasting sites for the past shows. As always, I start with today's scripture verse or verses, as it has been the last couple of weeks. Matthew 24, 6 from the Amplified says, You will continually hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end of the age. And the second one for today is Isaiah 520 through 21, also Romans 118 through 23, and Genesis 126 through 28. When God says things multiple times, we need to pay attention. So it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. God's word is always timely and perfect, and it should be comforting to know that God does not get surprised that these wars and rumors of wars we're going to talk about today are not a surprise to him, that we're, not, that we're called to fear not, that he will deal with those that are wise in their own eyes. There is no other place to start the show but Afghanistan. I'm sure all of you by now have seen the horrific news coverage of 13 of our servicemen being killed by a suicide bomber uh, from a group called now calling themselves ISIS-K over in Kabul. As they are trying to get as many American citizens, American allies, and the Afghani citizens that work with Americans out of the country before this arbitrary August 31st deadline, what a travesty. I'll go into that in a second. But first of all, my prayers go out to the families of the soldiers that lost their lives under this just ridiculous uh, attack. This ISIS-K suicide bomber um, got beyond the Afghan or Taliban checkpoints into American um, places where everybody was packed in like sardines trying to get out of the country. This is a travesty. It's a tragedy. Um, and my heart and my prayers go out, but I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I know you all are as well. This should not have happened. We should not have been in the situation where we were made a target. Our military knows better. This was done so backwards. But first, let's all pray for those families. They call them the gold star families. When you lose a son or daughter in war, they're called the surviving family, a gold star family. And they honor them, 
But this is this is sickening to me that they had to lose their life in this way when poor decisions and poor leadership result in the unnecessary death of our young men and women that have fought for our country, for our freedoms and our liberties afar so they don't so the battle doesn't come here. Someone needs to be held accountable. And there's a lot of people to be held accountable in this case. For just a little bit of history, I'm gonna back up in time. Because right now we're dealing with the world seems to be falling apart. Um, with COVID around the world, with mandates, with the government overreach, with terrorist attacks again, with the rise of ISIS again, it seems very deja vu-ish. Unstable foreign affairs, a porous southern border, those are all scary things. But I want to back up. Even eight months ago, we had President Trump. We had four historic Middle East peace treaties in place that people said that would never happen. Enemies making peace for the greater good, for leadership there. We had a planned withdrawal out of Afghanistan after 20 years with conditions. President Trump was very clear. If you touch one American, we will destroy you. I'm paraphrasing here, but basically that he proved it already when they broke their word the first time. He went and bombed um, the snot out of a bunch of Afghan, Taliban, and and. Um, ISIS places, destroying those leaderships. He went after Baghdadi. This is strength and peace through strength. So you had a plan, but you had a strong economy. You had a strengthened border. You had a growing um, uh, pride in America. You had strength. Uh, You had foreign powers paying their fair share when it came to these different agreements. Eight months later, like I said, the poorest border, you have a a withdrawal out of Afghanistan that was told that we had conditions. They removed the conditions, they meaning President Biden, apparently his staff around him as well. And basically they said, no, we're not going to move, come out in May where Trump wanted to, because that's when the fighting season during the rainy season, where typically the terrorists don't like to fight during the rainy part. We're going to do it later. And we're going to pick our own date so we don't follow Trump's plan. Oh, and we're going to do it backwards. The proper way, according to all the the military that knows what they're going to what they're supposed to be doing, is you remove the people first. While the military is still there, they've got control of everything. They get all the civilians, all the Americans out, all those that are supporters out first through a secure airport military establishment. Then they start um, destroying all the weapons and machinery and that kind of stuff so it can't be used by the enemies. And then they exit the military themselves last. What did this administration do? Not only did they push it into August, August 31st is their deadline, that is in the middle of the fighting season in this Middle East country where they've been fighting for centuries. This, this This is when they're ready to, when they're most equipped. They moved the military out first, leaving American citizens and citizens that uh, supported America to fend for themselves. They gave up the strategic airport and the embassy to them. Yes, they had 300,000 trained Taliban soldiers who was now being reported. They just laid their weapons down and turned it over to the Taliban within seven days. This, This fell in seven days, but they did everything Backwards, no conditions, moved the military first, left citizens stranded, and left all their equipment behind. They're talking about $80 billion worth of high-tech military gear, Apache helicopters, 
Humvees, uh, machine guns, RPG, you name it. This is the best of the best military equipment left. $80 billion worth left for the Taliban to equip themselves. So we saw pictures of the Taliban equipped. Now they're one of the strongest armies in the world. Now we're talking about Russia or China or America, but they, from a standpoint, they're, they got $80 billion worth of military equipment that's high tech. The first thing they're going to do is share it with Iran, the technology, and with China and with Russia so that they're all at the same level of playing field. China moved in immediately to establish relations with the new Taliban government um, because they want the mineral rights there. It's 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 off all for your electric batteries and electric power. That it's rich in minerals. It's like having oil in the OPEC countries, and so that relationship they are there. So you have China, Iran, and Russia moving in. Our enemies now emboldened with our own equipment, our money, and a dangerous tinderbox. Now you've got a uh, a small airport that is surrounded by the Taliban. And we're working with them and, and depending on the Taliban to provide safe passage for American citizens to get to this airport that is not the airport we, that we gave up, the one that had multiple runways and the easy access. This is a, a minor Kabul airport, like a like a like um, almost a trap to go through, and people are getting killed. So you have thousands and thousands of citizens, Afghani and American citizens and soldiers in a small confined space trying to get out, surrounded by Taliban. This is a target ripe for hit. And so in the middle of the fighting season, with no military support, they had to bring in another 2,500, 5,000 total troops now to get this mini airport semi-secured that's a target. It's a target for the enemy of our nation, enemy of the, our democracy, the enemy of our freedom, the ISIS. ISIS that was destroyed under President Trump is now going to rear its ugly head. And I mentioned before in a previous show, nature abhors a vacuum. When you pull things out like that, you embolden our enemies. We look weak. We are negotiating a surrender from a position of weakness where we're begging the Taliban to allow our American citizens out. And the Taliban gave us an August 31st deadline. And this president, this President Biden, uh, will not deter from that, won't speak truth or strength. So we will be out by August 31st, whether Americans are out or not. They don't want, if they don't get through the airport past the Taliban checkpoint, then they don't want to get out. This is heartbreaking. This is treasonous in my point of view. It's, It's obviously my opinion show, but I am frustrated because what we saw. Then we see the commander-in-chief come out again all, three different times this week where he gives a short speech, a prepared speech. And this is something we should be aware of. We should be praying about everything being exposed for the truth to be revealed, for righteous leaders to stand up in the military and the, the government and the federal and the state as well. This is so important. When he comes out and says a prepared speech, and really doesn't really show empathy. He talks about his son, does a little breakdown there. But he says, he starts off, goes, they gave me a list of people to call upon. And the first one I'm supposed to call on is X. This is interesting. And this is not the first time. Every time he comes out, he says, they tell me I've got to call on this person or I've got to say this. That's bad. You've never seen Trump or even Obama before that. They'd always call on the people in the crowd. 
for a question and take questions. This president does not take questions. This president cannot handle questions. This president has no clue. Further proof of that, I'm not trying to beat up on a man that's clearly having mental deficits. The next thing he said when they asked him about his decision to pull out the way they did, to do it the absolute backwards way of pulling the military troops out first, of leaving all the military equipment behind, of leaving American citizens in danger and harm's way, and for these 13 servicemen that were killed by a suicide bomber because of his decisions, what he did, first of all, he said this was Trump's plan, so he blamed somebody else for a plan that he's doing that he did not follow. He modified it. Number two, he said, I take the advice of the military advisors in the Pentagon. It was their plan, and I followed their plan. Here's a commander-in-chief who is not leading. He's taking the advice in the direction of those political guidance around him, those in Washington, D.C., and making decisions that harm American citizens, that harm our troops. So he needs to be held accountable. Those around him need to be held accountable. This cannot go unnoticed or unpunished. Yes, he's a doddering guy that needs to be removed as president because clearly he's not running the show. We need a leader to come in, express strength to make sure that we secure that other airport where we get every American citizen out, where we get every soldier out, that we come at this from a position of strength, not of weakness. And right now, the whole world is laughing at our president and America because of our weakness and how we operate. Even the British Parliament two weeks ago condemned President Biden because he didn't tell anybody. Our American advisors and senior elite in the, in the military and Biden did not call foreign leaders until like several days after we left. They did. They told him basically, we're out of here. We're leaving as they're leaving. The British, the Australians, all of our allies had to scramble to protect their own troops. In fact, many of them are, are right now removing their own people, and they're frustrated because they can know that they can never trust America again. We don't keep our promises. That is damaging long-term. One more thing on Afghanistan. It breaks my heart, but it came out on Friday that our U.S. government, our uh, military brass, our president, gave a list of names of American citizens and Afghani supporters to the Taliban to help them get through the checkpoints. You just gave a hit list of American citizens and supporters to the enemy, to these terrorist organizations who are tied to ISIS and Russia and China. Why would we do that? I just, it boggles the mind. And I know I can talk the entire show on Afghanistan because obviously you can tell I'm frustrated, I'm hurt, I am, my cry, my heart goes out to those families and to those that are serving. They need to believe in this nation, what we stand for and what they're doing over there. And when you have a leadership like this that throws you literally under the bus, it's time for a massive change for that. Let's move on. I'm talking about these political leaders right now. While this is going on, there was a bill proposed in the House called H.R. 498. Look it up. In the cover of covid it removes our gun rights. This will not pass the Senate, but be aware they're digging or adding language like this to pass anything they've always wanted to, to take away your rights to keep and bear arms in the guise of COVID coverage. Uh, that's 498. In addition to that, watch out for 
HR4. It's the new Voting Rights Act. One of the prime sponsors was a congressman out of the six, Derek Kilmer and others. This is insidious. This is one of those things where they want to federalize elections, where no matter what law or what protection your state legislator and governor signs into law, like having a voter ID, it would then have to be approved by the federal Congress. This is federalizing elections. This will hopefully not pass the Senate, but please contact your senator, call all senators, call the switchboard to say we do not want H.R. 4. The Democrats and left will talk about how this is about making it fair and putting teeth into things. It's not. What this does is take away the state's rights to conduct their own fair and equal and accountable election. President Biden came out before he talked about anything else in Afghanistan just two days ago and talked about this must pass. No, it must not. And he also talked about this $3.4 trillion infrastructure bill. It has very little. Less than one-fourth of it is actually infrastructure, roads, bridges, internet, and so forth. The rest of it is all this pork, this Green New Deal stuff, $3.2 trillion, and federalizing elections. This is the priority of this government that must be replaced right now. And since right now I'm talking about government overreach, there's so much we can talk about, but I want to bring it local. Just this week, in Enumclaw, over here on the west side, there was a story where a high school um, volleyball player who is not vaccinated, who didn't want the vaccine, was told to wear an ankle monitor by her coach. It was sanctioned by the school district. She had to wear an ankle monitor while playing that would sound an alarm if she got too close to other players. That is scary. So you're discriminating on students against other students by making them set apart with an ankle monitor because they chose not to put an injection in their body. You see what's going on. There's a force, there's a mandate um, for state employees and for federal employees and for the military um, to get the vaccination prior to October 15th or be fired. The good news is there's a lot of people from all walks of life, from state agencies, from the fire departments, from the police department, from nurses saying, no, I will not be forced to take a vaccine. If you choose to, that is your own choice, but the government should not have the power to force you to take something you choose not to. So on that news, emails were leaked between the attorney general and the governor and his staff about the religious exemption. They're allowing for state workers to have a religious exemption to not take the vaccine. But the questions are so strict. And the emails say, if we have to give one, make it strict that nobody can get it. And so the DOT one set first says, do you have a religious exemption? And then the next question is, have you ever gotten any medicine or any vaccines as an adult? That is a ridiculous question to ask. Your faith could have changed. You could have evolved. And for the those that have taken it, good for you. This is a personal choice. This is not about vaccine or non-vaccine. This is about personal freedom. It's about not having a tyrannical government force it on you. And just yesterday, the report came out that the Seattle Police Department officers says they will walk if they're mandated to take the vaccine. We need to make a lot of noise that's saying this is not America. We have freedom. There are other ways to keep everybody safe and to allow them to make their own personal choice for their own health. So I thought it would be good to go over the five most common reasons why people make the choice that they don't want to get this vaccine at this point in time. 
and why these mandates are so egregious to them. The first reason is people aren't sure it's safe. There have been many reports of vaccines having problems, enlarged hearts. There have been perfectly healthy people that got the vaccine and then died from it. In fact, the VAERS website, over 5,000 deaths due to the vaccine. We understand the numbers are low in comparison to the millions of Americans, but still, it's a concern. Number two, it's the, the mRNA vaccine, the way they're made. They're made from the fetal cells of aborted babies. I have a problem with that. I don't want aborted baby tissue being used in my system. Number three, a lot of people think there's deception. One day we're told it works this way. Next day we're told it doesn't work that way. Would it be a mask or no mask? We're getting conflicting information from the CDC and from the WHO and from the government. We don't trust how it's being rolled out. Number four is unjustified. When you have a 99.6% chance of surviving COVID and the vaccine doesn't add any more elements to survival, so why would we get it? It's not justified to mandate it at such a large scale. And of course, the last thing, which is what I've been talking about today, is forced. The government has, does not have the right to force it on us, especially under the duress of being fired. Many people will choose to take it when they want to take it or choose to take it for their own health reasons. But the idea that you have a government that will make you do it under penalty of fine or losing your job, which is a big, big penalty, that's under force. That is tyrannical and people will fight back. Those are the five reasons that people are, are having a hard time making the choice of taking the vaccine. So now seems to be an appropriate time to give you all an update on my wife. I want to thank you all on social media, on the radio that lifted my wife up in prayer. She's home now. She spent a week in the hospital uh, having COVID and pneumonia and uh, respiratory distress. It was scary, but God had her. My wife went through 10 days of a cold Last flu ended up being COVID, where her O2 sats dropped in the 80s. We had to take her by ambulance to the hospital. The hospital started her on zinc, vitamin D, IV fluids, oxygen, and remdesivir, which is the protocol, one of the protocols that the hospitals have at their disposal now for COVID patients. And I want to get her on the show and hopefully here today or next week and interview her. But my wife's been a nurse for 31 years and this worked for her. Her SATs came up and she was able to go home after five days. And once she got home, we had actually ordered the uh, ivermectin, which we talked about on a previous show. And she started that protocol day one and now she's on day four and she is looking so much better. It's amazing the improvement she's had after the ivermectin. But the hospital protocol actually worked for her to get her to the point where she could take the next level and recover. She's still on oxygen. She's still in bed. But she, her color's improving. Her breathing's improving. And I'm, I'm hopeful that in just in a few short days, she'll be back on her feet. And thank you for all your prayers. But since she's a nurse, all the other nurses that were taking care of her and the doctors would tell her things about what's going on. And what they said was, that this virus was not following a normal virus's path. The majority of the people in the hospital with my wife were between 30 and 40. Over half of them had received a vaccine. And every single night, two to three people would code, mean have cardiac arrest, they would have to do a CPR, and it was scary. 
or they would be intubated and put on a ventilator and sent to ICU. One story in particular, a bodybuilder who'd never been sick, had the vaccine, came into the hospital with COVID, intubated, and now is in ICU. The medical staff says all the normal things were out the window. It wasn't people with comorbidities. It wasn't people that were old or overweight. It wasn't people that were unvaccinated to the degree. It was over half of them that were vaccinated and healthy and younger. And so clearly wash your hands. Clearly um, do what it takes to keep yourself and your family safe. But question these things and understand that this is not acting normal. And so when I do get a chance to get her on the show, I want you to get her firsthand experience, not only on how the doctors were saying how lucky she was, and I know it wasn't luck, it was blessing because God was protecting her, but how weird it was. In addition to that, she had nurses that would show up one day and not show up the next day because the stress, they're overwhelmed because of the protocols they have to inflict, and because they're being told that they too must take the vaccine or be fired. So many of them are choosing to be fired or to quit before they're fired. The last story I want to cover today is Turning Point USA. Charlie Kirk is doing a great job mobilizing conservative thought and young people to push back against these radical professors, these school districts, and so forth. But now they're doing a new thing to push back against critical race theory. So check out Turning Point USA there's a place to track your school district to give you talking points to push back on this racist, critical race theory teaching in schools. And you can use that same thing to fight back against the comprehensive sex education and all that stuff. So don't believe the superintendent of public instructions or the school districts to say that critical race theory is not being taught because it is. And we need to expose this and call them on their own lies. There was just this week in the Puyallup School District, the teachers were shown a video basically ridiculing anybody that would have an opposition to this and calling them right-wing extremists and that they were, were making a fuss about nothing. Teaching our kids to hate one another based on the way they were born, their skin color, is evil. It is wrong, and we will fight against it. It's not stirring up some trouble. This is the truth. So we, as citizens, need to not listen to that, need to show up in mass, need to speak the truth, and demand that our school districts are held accountable, that our kids aren't taught this poison. And a big shout out to our new sponsor, New Beginnings Christian Church of Spokane. Thank you so much. All right, that's all the time I have for today. I want to thank you for tuning in. Tell your friends and neighbors to tune in as well. God bless you. God bless America. And be praying for the families that lost their loved ones in Afghanistan. <laughs>